Welcome back to Coach's Corner, a Merrimack College podcast. I am your host, Dr. Christopher Hopi, president of Merrimack College. During each episode of Coach's Corner, I, along with a Merrimack College guest coach, will break down the news in Merrimack sports, whether it be topics such as competing as a Division I institution, competing within the league, coaching strategies, and an important off-the-field topics, we will be covering warrior athletics like you have never heard it before. This week, head men's hockey coach Scott Bork joined me to talk about his philosophy and approach to recruiting hockey players, the plan for the young team over the next several years, and what brought Coach Bork to the ice in the first place. Enjoy the lively conversation, and thank you for tuning in to the world of warrior athletics. We're here today with uh, Scott Bork, uh, men's ice hockey coach uh, at Merrimack College. My name is Chris Hopi. We're here at uh, Coach's Corner today talking about the men's hockey program and generally men's hockey nationally, regionally, hockey east and so on and so forth. So, Scott, it's great to have you here today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, um, you know, hockey east is a very competitive and uh, kind of um, uh, complicated division, right? There's different teams always vying for the top. How does it look this year from your vantage point being at Merrimack? Who's going to be good this year? Who's going to be competitive? What is the season going to roll out like, you think, in Hockey East? I think it's going to be a really interesting season because most uh, most programs had pretty strong recruiting years. I think of the uh, top ten recruiting uh, rankings, I think we had six of them in our league. Uh, so I expect a lot of good young players who will turn some programs, and obviously we have a number of young players uh, that are trying to help us turn. Uh, but, you know, the, the traditional top will probably look similar to how it's been with BC and BU and uh, a couple other teams, Chase and Providence and Northeastern, UMass, uh, UMass Lowell. Uh, but it's really, uh, it's very, the parity in our league is growing every single day, which is which is a positive for us as because that means we're climbing into that parity and hopefully beyond it. So I think that the league this year will be very similar, will be very successful nationally. Um, and I think we'll have, you know, we'll have a big challenge every night, but not one that we're not excited about. Yeah, so you've uh, you've been with us now. This is your second year as head coach. You, you came in last year after uh, the team had a couple of uh, tough years. You've made a lot of changes in the program. Um, talk a little bit about what's been the greatest challenge for you as a new coach coming into a program that is not a perennial powerhouse, but trying to but it's had some moments of great success. Tell us about what that's like for you and the challenges. I mean, it's it's a big job, complicated job. But talk about what those challenges are and what it's been like as uh, coming here. Well, you know, it's, in, it's interesting. I think at every institution you have to find the positives and the wins, and you've got to find wins every day. Uh, and what I've tried to turn our, our focus to is catching the momentum of the college. Uh, it, that's easy for our players to see every time they walk on campus with the construction, the different things happening on campus. They can see the school growing, the Division One move. Uh, that is, that's a, those are wins for our program as well, and I think our players see that, makes them feel more competitive, uh, and we're trying to move in that direction with, with the school I think we have to understand that it's a process, but you have to go into that process playing to win. You can't play to uh, for um, you know, coming close or those kinds of things. And I think we're trying to get our players, our older players, to adopt that and to you know personalize that so that our younger players can be led that way. Um, and we're, we're moving in a good direction you know, in that regard. Last year's team, our leadership of Michael Babcock and Derek Petty, Alex Carl, and John Kovacevic uh, did a great job of getting us off the mat. Uh, we didn't win as many games as we wanted, but we're never going to win as many games as we want unless we win the last one. Uh, so it's just a matter of uh, you know pushing our guys to the point of saying, hey, we have a chip on our shoulder for a reason. We're part of a great place and a great program. Let's grow it. Let's be the ones that uh, have the first parade on campus. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 
Mike McMahon wrote an article of Hockey College um, News a couple weeks ago about uh, the team that has the most change this year was Merrimack. You have 16 freshmen, kind of unprecedented. Talk about about what it's like to coach young kids coming into college hockey. And uh, it, it's quite the task, and it's very impressive how you made the changes to get there. Uh, but talk a little bit about, about, about what that experience is like getting those kids here, getting them to work together as a team. Being a leader myself, uh, getting 16 people to all on the same page uh, with just a couple of weeks of planning is not an easy task. Talk about that and talk about the work you're doing and how you bring them together and what you've been doing about that. Well, the, the, the really the first thing started with all of those kids saying yes, you know, a year or two ago to coming to Merrimack. And they knew what they were getting into uh, last last spring when we had our final signing period. Uh, and they were excited about being you know, part of the change, just like most of the people who've come to Merrimack, whether it be in hockey or anything else that has to do with the school. You don't come here if you don't have a growth mindset. You're not excited about that. Uh, we hired, uh, we hired, uh, we recruited uh, out of the 16 players, 11 of them wore uh, captain's letters last year. That was a real focus of our recruiting because those are kids with confidence. You can't come win at Merrimack if you don't have the confidence to win and, and to go out there and not care who you're playing but to roll out your best game. And the most exciting thing for me with 16 players, you have no idea what you're going to get today. You know, we, we have had some practices where I thought we could play the Bruins. Uh, we have had some practices I wanted to leave. Uh, so uh, it just, it, it's the heart. The biggest grind for the players is not the games. It's really the practices uh, and trying to get them to understand that every day is a really important day. And today's the day we're going to win, not tomorrow, not next week, not Friday. Let's just win today. Uh, and getting young people to focus on the moment, uh, not always easy. Uh, but when you can accomplish it, there's an unbelievable feeling of satisfaction as a coach and uh, as a leader and just being part of it. And um, you know, watching our play- players have fun after we beat Holy Cross for our first win as a group, um, I, you know, they were a little over the top. It was a lot like a high school team. Uh, watch them after we beat UConn, uh, they were much more used to it. And I really w- I loved our reaction. And, you know, before we left that locker room, we said, now we move on to Northeastern, you know. And it um, it's kind of fun to see. And, and I really am excited about our future because of, young players because of their excitement uh, and because of the older players who are leading those young players right now. I think they're doing their part in the business of moving our program forward. And as I told our older players, you don't win with 16 freshmen. You win with the 12 guys who are in the room when, when those kids arrived. So our success is on their shoulders, not in the freshmen's shoulders. And uh, we'll just continue that mantra, and hopefully it'll take us forward. Yeah, I mean, this weekend's game, I saw the Friday night game, and uh, you really dominated in that game except for 20 seconds. They played well. They didn't... They actually dug deeper and worked hard, and and, and they did real well. And uh, I was impressed with their 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 puck movement, their speed. Um, and but they lost the game, and then they went back on Sunday to play UConn and won right on the road. I mean, that's that's resiliency. That's what you want in a team. Talk a bit about the resiliency of this team, and because it's going to be a year with young people and just crafting something new. It's going to be up and downs. How as a coach do you hand, handle all that and manage that? Well, I think that it's funny because you know when, when I was playing and, and back in the day when we folded our helmets in football, the uh, you know the, so so much emotion was part of the game, and now it's it's got to be a little bit more cerebral. You can't the emotion's got two sides of it, two sides of that knife, and you know I think we turned our season a little bit when we played Wisconsin here. It sounds weird to say an eleven to five loss, but uh, we took a three two lead and it looked like we just won Game Seven of the Stanley Cup Finals. And the guys and I was trying to calm the bench down, and it um, you know got away from us. And then they scored shortly thereafter, and that that high became the next low, and we never recovered from that. Uh, so our, our group right now is, I think they took that loss at UNH in overtime when I thought we I thought we won that game as far as the controlling the game, the tempo of it, and uh, puck possession and things like that. 
I thought we won the first UConn game the same way. Uh, but in both situations, I thought our players bounced back really, really well. And the players bounce how the coaches bounce. So if the coaches aren't able to get past it, then the players won't. Um, and we try to always look forward in, our, in how we're leading our guys and making sure that they're playing forward. That's great. I mean, uh, you know, you have created a schedule this season that by any measure is probably one of the most difficult in the country. Um, you're playing the nas- two-time national championship Minnesota Duluth. Um, you're actually uh, playing Penn State. You've done Wisconsin. And then you got the Hockey East schedule, which is just brutal, up and down. Talk a little bit about, about kind of the uh, the character building those type of games do and, and how it really, um, you know, uh, how you schedule and, and, and the kind of the there's, – there's no, there's no really – low-level teams this year you're playing, you really kind of pushed it. Uh, was that uh, a plan? Was that to think about the future and kind of building that resiliency in the team? Well, I, I think it's important for our players, all of our players at one point in time, wanted to go to Boston College or BU or Minnesota Duluth. And so it's easy to challenge them in the locker room in those games. Hey, you thought you were good enough to be there. They didn't. Um, let's go beat them. And I think if we can do that enough times and we can play those teams competitively. Last year, I thought it was really big. We played Denver and Colorado. And and we actually played really well in those two games. And I think we played uh, the Wisconsin game. You know, it got away from us in like eight minutes. They still didn't have uh, 20 shots on net. And, and uh, I think our team's done a really good job in almost every game we've played in controlling puck possession and controlling areas of the game that you would not anticipate a young team being able to do. Doing that against Penn State makes us a much better team against Boston College. And so uh, we have to play those teams. Uh, you certainly could schedule easier and, and maybe grow your you know, career wins, but that uh, doesn't help your team much. So I think right now we're about building, and we're going to build that with some big games. That's terrific. I was at the Michigan game last year, and uh, <laughs> you know that was Michigan had no idea who we were. We came in and beat them in their own house, and people were in shock, and the team was excited after that. And, and it, it, I could see that kind of that energy uh, that, that you're trying to build it with that team. Energy on the campus too. I mean, you know, the rest of the campus feels this when they're seeing. Our hockey play, our hockey team go out there and beat these big schools. I mean, everyone gets really excited about it. So I think it, not only for the teams and for athletics, it brings a lot to the rest of the campus as well. Yeah, really. To the community, and I think that's you were talking earlier about different things about Merrimack and the strength of it. Merrimack's a community, and it's a community you can connect to, um, and that's what our hockey program wants to do. And if you connect to it, you thrive because of it, and that's um, that's really important that we realize that. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, what's fascinating to me, um, you know, we are, you know, with Division One and basketball, but we are still a hockey school at the end of the day. It is our roots, it's our DNA, it's, it's what is actually, was really the gem of the institution for so many years, and it still is that, right? And it always will be. Um, you know, every Villanova has basketball, we have hockey, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Boston College has, well, they have a lot of sports, but they have football. It still drives a lot of the rest of their culture. Here, hockey drives our culture. And it, it brings alums in, and it's, 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 it is the sport, men's ice hockey, uh, and bring it through. So, um, you know, as you look to the future of the team and the recruiting and stuff like that, to tell me, you know, what you, other than winning the national championship, tell me what, what you see over the next three years. Because it takes about four years to build a team, let's be honest. It doesn't, you don't build a college overnight, you don't build a team overnight, right? It takes time, especially with these young people. But talk about, you know, you know, what, what you would uh, kind of describe as progress uh, for the team over time. Well, I think right now we're seeing it in our play. Uh, and I would love to think, and I remember I talked to Jeremy for the first time, and I, in the very first time he said, you know, what will be the difference? And I, I told him year one we will change the roster with roster management. Year two we'll build the culture. Year three we'll impact the standings. So I, I believe we're on that, in that place right now. Uh, it's why we have so many freshmen right now because it, it's no sense in waiting to – 
make those changes. I think that that's what people do when they're not uh, convicted. And, you know, we want to have a championship program. We're going to do the things we have to do to have that program. And uh, as I told our team last year, it's like, you know, athletics is a, is a lesson for life. And if you're selling cards and the guy next to you sells 40 and you sell two, you better be worried about your job. And uh, we need you to perform. And, and this is a performance business. Don't tell me, show me. Uh, we went through that last year. Credit to all of our guys who were part of that team last year. Uh, they were really good about understanding what we were trying to accomplish. And so we were able to move forward without uh, too much difficulty uh, and make the changes that we needed to do to have a roster that could be competitive this year. Uh, and then we need to add to that next year. The recruiting piece next year is huge. I think we have a really good, uh, you know, I'm not allowed to talk to them about them until the NLI period, which is next week. Uh, but I think we're in a pretty exciting position right now in next year's recruiting. Um, and we, we don't need as many, obviously, but we need uh, players who can play top-end minutes, and I think we have some of those players coming in. Yeah, good for you, Coach. So I want to talk a little bit about coaching. I want to move a little bit off the hockey team itself and back into the profession of coaching. And and uh, you've been a, really a, a lifetime coach in some ways. That's what you've done your whole life. How would you get into coaching, and, and why do you do it? Like, like it's, you know, it's an up-and-down kind of business, but 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 why did you get – how did you get into it, and, and why do you do it? Well, Oddly enough, uh, like on a Friday night after we lose to UConn, I love the fact that my job is measured by a scoreboard. Uh, I love the fact that there's a competitive part of every single day I'm in. Um, I got into coaching because I was a hockey player at Dartmouth and hurt my neck and was not unable to play uh, from that point moving forward in my sophomore season. Uh, and I really credit a couple people who, who really rallied around me. I, I was in a neck thing the rest of that year, so I wasn't able to do anything. But my junior year, the coach allowed me to become an assistant coach. There was only one assistant at the time, um, and he allowed me to become assistant coach. We had big JV teams back there. Merrimack was very good in the JV level uh, when that was the case. And, um, you know, he, my coach said, you can coach the JV team. And my best friend, uh, still my best friend, was uh, on that team as a junior and then on that team again as a senior. And he allowed me to coach that team like I was the coach. And I'll never forget him for it. Um, I loved it right from the beginning. Uh, I did not go to school. I did not go to Dartmouth. My parents were not excited about me becoming a coach out of the gate. Uh, but it's something I'm passionate about. I love helping people achieve, and I love uh, the, the school board competitiveness. And when you get in a recruiting battle for someone and you actually win that battle, like, there's nothing like that 15 minutes after that phone call. Uh, and the reverse is true, too, when you don't get that young man. You come from quite a pedigree of uh, head coaching assistant jobs. I mean, you've you have— been assistant coach for three probably iconic coaches in the country. You know, I think Jackson, who's at Notre Dame now, and I think uh, Humili at, at UNH and Lehman at Providence. I mean, that's quite a pedigree. I mean, you don't get much better in the country. What did you learn from each one of them, and what did you take away from each one of those coaches? Well, I think I said this right when I got hired. I think being at Providence when I was with Nate uh, Lehman just showed me that there's a lot of ways to win. Um, and the way that we won at Providence was very similar to the way you need to win at Merrimack. Um, and so that, that was exciting. Uh, I, I kind of got the, um, I think I was worried sometimes when, before I got to, to Providence about how many days a week we could compete, how many days a week can we be physical, uh, because we weren't that kind of team at UNH. And at Providence, I learned you can be physical every day, and you have to expect it. The, you know, repeated behavior becomes habit. And so we, uh, that, that was really helpful coming to Merrimack and working with Nate and that never, uh, never put a ceiling on a player uh, until he puts it on himself. That was kind of the mentality he had, and, and I'm trying to bring that with me here. Uh, with Dick Humilia, he might have been the best uh, chemistry guy, best locker room coach I've ever been around. Uh, he was incredible knowing our team. He didn't have to watch. He watched video, but he didn't have to. He knew where our guys were at mentally. 
He knew where our locker room was at 100% of the time. Uh, he was connected to our players well beyond their, their hockey experience. Uh, and I took that as a real serious thing I needed to do uh, and make sure that I'm in these guys' lives way beyond just the rink. Um, and then with Jeff Jackson, Jeff was, just, was tactical. He was disciplined. He was organized. He, he uh, did things daily. But he also showed the thing that Jeff Jackson did for me is he showed appreciation for the people he worked with. Uh, I remember on several occasions coming off the road to a, a card on my desk thanking me for what I was doing. And uh, so I always thank our assistants when I got off the phone with them when they're on the road. Thank you for what you do. Uh, and I, I got that directly from Jeff. And it made my experience at Lake Superior with him uh, really fun and uh, has created a lifelong relationship. That's great. Now, this is your second bout as a uh, as a head coach. You know, um, you were young your first time around. I mean, you're a young guy still, right? But, uh, <laughs> Thank you. But you were a young guy the first time. And, you know, and, and you had some success there. I think you were a coach of the year one of those seasons. Uh, at the same time, you moved on after a while. What have you learned from that first coaching experience and then the years after that coming back, you know, as a head coach again? T- talk a little bit about that experience. We all – all of us have different jobs, different opportunities, but but talk about what you learned from the first time to the second time. You know, it, it's a great uh, – getting a second opportunity is an unbelievable experience. I think when I was at Lake Superior, not only was I a young guy, I was also an Eastern guy. And living in Sault Ste. Marie, I wasn't a very popular guy even before I started losing hockey games. Uh, they just weren't really – didn't like my accent. Uh, they didn't like the pace I drove my car. You know, there was a lot of things uh, in the Sioux that I was not really there for. Uh, but the biggest mistake I made in that job, I was replacing, obviously, a, an icon there. And I tried to coach a team like him. And I tried to be Jeff Jackson. And there was a little success out of the gate with that. But then I wasn't myself. And, and I think with players, the, the number one thing you have to be is vulnerable. they got to understand you're a human being, too. And when I tried to coach like something else, I didn't allow myself to be vulnerable. And so that was, that was a disappointing. I look back, and that was my biggest disappointment. My relationship with those players is not as sincere as it's been in most of my positions. Uh, but the one thing I did learn, and then halfway through the year that I ended up being lucky enough to be selected as a coach of the year, uh, we had a young man who um, just, uh, he was our leading scorer, our best player. Uh, I asked the team to do a couple things, and he decided that he didn't want to do that. And uh, I said, okay, well, who's going to pack your bag, you or me? And he was shocked that I'm the leading scorer, I'm the best player on the team, and you're not going to let me play. I said, you can pack your bag, or I'll pack it. And so I kicked him off the team. Uh, and then we went on a 12-game streak without losing a game. And it was amazing to me to figure out that, hey, the best player may not be your best player. And he wasn't our hardest worker. and He wasn't our best culture guy. And, and I allowed him to be there because I wasn't uh, taking control of the team. And that's why this year and last year, uh, given this opportunity, I'm going to control the team. I'm going to control the destiny of our team. The players need that. This generation needs it. And I, I really believe that the stronger the leader, the more they can accomplish. The weaker the leader, then I'm, I'm letting them down. So it's really important um, that I do that. And that's the thing I took from that experience at Lake Superior was, you know, don't be someone else and uh, make sure you challenge these guys. Don't allow their habits or some of the things that are in their life to control what they do every day. Help them do it better. Uh, and I think we've done that so far, and I look forward to continuing that. That's great. Now, you have, um, you've had uh, really three amazing opportunities at different institutions now you're fourth and that has allowed you to uh, recruit some of the better players in the country over the years right you have a number of nhl superstars right that you've recruited who was really the most interesting recruiting strategy or play over the years now in the nhl that you've worked with it's funny i i, I there's two of them one of them is james van Riemsdyk because james uh, was looking at every school in the country and he only visited unh because uh his advisor 
uh, was a friend of mine and made him stop on his way uh, back from Harvard to New Jersey that he drove up to UNH and looked. None of the other coaches were there. The whole family was there. Uh, and little did I know I'd, I'd recruit all three of them eventually. Uh, but it was really funny. I said to the dad, we, I, we had a great connection, James and I. It went on for, that process went on for a year and a half. And uh, I said to the dad, finally, I said, you know, Franz, at the end of the day, if it's about the window decal, he's not coming to UNH. But if it's about where he is most comfortable, he's coming to UNH. And Franz looked at me and said to me, he said, Scott, do you know where I went to college? And I said, you know what, Franz, I should know that, but I don't. <laughs> and he goes, I went to Susquehanna University. Have you ever heard of it? And I said, no. He says, well, you, I don't care about the window decal. And literally, James committed uh, a couple weeks later. Um, uh, and then he had a teammate, Brett Pesci, who was with Carolina, and, and I was trying to push him out uh, to play an extra year, and which would have put us at risk of losing him. And Coach Emilio went to the game with me. They played uh, played a game in Boston, and he just looked at me, what, why are we pushing this young guy out? And I said, well, I think he could use another year of seasoning. And he was like, no, no, I think he can come right now. And Brett got to campus uh, as a 17-year-old and was one of our best defensemen immediately. Uh, and we are actually having that same experience at Merrimack right now with Zach Ewens. Um, you know, don't put a, I said earlier, don't put a ceiling on a kid. Also, don't put an age limit on them. And that's what I was doing at the time. And um, it was incorrect, and it's worked out really well. Yeah, that's great. That's a, those are great stories. You know, um, what is your recruiting philosophy? I mean, at, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you, you do a lot of travel. Every time I see you, you've got a bag in your hand, you're going someplace on an airplane. And I really respect that. Um, but but what is kind of your philosophy? What kind of kid you're looking for? Um, and, you know, and, and where you're going to find these kids? Well, we've been, uh, we've actually been fortunate enough uh, because of Jeremy and, and the college that allow us to go everywhere. We've spent a lot of time in uh, Finland and Sweden. Uh, we've spent a lot of time in Western Canada. Uh, but don't ignore your backyard, you know. And so I think as you raise your program's profile, the backyard, uh, all of a sudden your grass looks pretty green too. So they'll come look more and more. Uh, we're in a great recruiting battle right now with a local school that uh, we've, I don't really know if we've ever won a recruiting battle from. And we'll see what happens next week. But um, what I want to do is recruit leaders. I want guys who are captains on their team or who have been captains, have a history of being captains, uh, because I just think that those, those are the players that make you better. Those are the ones who believe enough in themselves. It doesn't matter where they go to school. They can always achieve more. So our first priority is captains. Our second priority is competitiveness. And our third priority is skating. Because uh, if you can recover, then you can play. And we've seen that against, against UConn uh, on Friday night here. They couldn't come out of the zone without a, a white jersey chasing them, hunting them down. And uh, even at, uh, on the road at, at UConn, uh, the most impressive thing was us, our third effort. And uh, you can't have that if you can't skate. So those are really the three things that we want to have. We want the captain. We want the most competitive player on your team. And just make sure he can recover. Yeah. I think that's a really uh, interesting point earlier. You know, in the interview, you were talking about these young kids who have signed on, right? They feel the excitement here at Merrimack College, which is definitely a testament to the culture that the president has built. And, you know, they're here knowing that they're going to help build a build a program. You know, we are a strong program, but we have we have more places to go. And I think that's also a testament to you as a coach, too, so that, you know, they understand I'm signing on and I know we have some work to do and I'm invested because I want to see where this goes, both for the college and, you know, for the team. Um, and so it's very interesting to hear you talk about, you know, the whole philosophy and the mindset that you're actually building on the team because, it, you know, I'm excited to see in, you know, two, three years where we're at. It's going to be completely different. A pick and shovel. Like, we have to bring our pick and shovel. And 
we when we have the right kid on campus, we give him his itinerary. We call the campus tour the parade route. Uh, you might as well be the first on the parade route because this is what we're going to do. Yeah. Uh, I've already promised the team that I will drive the fire truck, so just jump on board. So it's uh, no, it's fun. It's fun to build. It's fun to be part of part of a place that's building constantly. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. No, that's great. So, coach, talk a little bit to me about um, you know, um actually college hockey this year right i mean we're seeing a lot more parody i just watched the wisconsin penn state game the other night on tv in the big 10 you know station and um you know there's going to be a lot of a lot of upsets this year a lot of a lot of there is a lot of parodying i mean aic last year i mean what's going on in college hockey you know the perennials are not the perennials bc's had a couple bad years uh bu's up and down I always think it's this one and out can we crew kind of strategy, right? Where it's everything or nothing. But but talk a little bit about what's going on across the country and the parity and what do you see as kind of the great challenges for um, NCA men's hockey going forward? Well, I, you know the biggest thing I think happened to the bigger programs is they did go with a lot of one and done players, uh, and that's just you can't build a culture, you can't build a team. How invested is that young man in in that team that year? Uh, so I think that's asking a lot to bring an 18-year-old kid in and ask him to be completely invested in the play against a guy on my team who's a four-year guy who loves and bleeds his jersey. And, uh, you know, it's a totally different mentality going into that game. I think that's been the biggest mistake of some of the bigger programs. There's also a million kids playing hockey all over the world now. And I, are, there's no more borders in recruiting. Uh, and so I think there's a lot more good players out there and a lot more good players going to every school. Um you know, the NCAA continues to create uh, what I think are barriers for the, for the smaller schools by uh, limiting different things that, that uh, they take the work ethic out of it. And that really, I, you know, I, I love the fact that we can outwork someone for a recruit, uh, but as they put more and more restrictions on us, that makes people able to recruit from their computer. And that just kind of evens the playing field, which makes it bigger for the big boy. So I think it's really important that as a sport, we understand that uh, the big boys only survive if the little boys get better. Uh, our league has a big challenge in that because we're so close to each other. We're the only league in the country that we basically recruit off each other's recruiting list. Uh, I've talked to the league about that. There's no sight in that. We're the only league that eliminates teams from the playoffs. That's a mistake. You know, it's a huge mistake on my part. Or not on my part, on the league's part. I fought that battle, and, you know, you got some ignorance and some arrogance that are, that are going against you in that, in that room. And I think the important thing to understand is the top team is only as good as the bottom team. And if we don't focus on that, then, um, you know, our sport's not going to grow like it could. Um, you know, with the Big Ten coming in, that's going to be a big factor. You know, when I was at Lake Superior, Red Barrettson and, and Ron Mason were the two biggest icon coaches in the country. And they, every meeting we had, they protected Lake Superior State, Ferris State, Northern Michigan, because they understood the sport wouldn't grow at the big schools. It would grow at the smaller schools. Uh, I'm not so certain we have that uh, proper perspective in our league right now. Um, but either way, we, we need to try to win the league. So that's what we're going to try to do. So um, hopefully we can. Hey, what's going on in Alaska? You know, they got the the breaking apart of the WCHA and all that kind of craziness. It's it kind of hurts the Alabama Huntsville's and others that are trying to build programs. And you know, I would think that college hockey would benefit by having more open borders and more teams. And Illinois talked about coming in and that kind of stuff. And I think that would be good for all of college hockey. Uh, but it is interesting in terms of the how it's playing itself out. And I'm pretty sure those conversations are going to come up. So tell me a little bit about um, you know. At the end of the day, how do you uh, what do you do to relax? I mean, you're a pretty intense guy, and so, 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 how do you spend your time off the ice, off the arena, out of the college? Uh, well, you know what, I I, um, I don't do a lot of that in the in the fall or winter, um, but I love to get get myself and my family up to New Hampshire. 
I have three uh, three children that aren't very far from here. My daughter actually is expecting any day now. Her oh, due date's passed. So I shouldn't have announced that, but she'll probably be upset. But uh, So hopefully <laughs> in that regard. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. And, and uh, you know, so I get the chance to go see my sons play, and they're, they're sporting events. And uh, I try to get to Jackson, New Hampshire. It's funny, I went, I revisited Jackson uh, last year after my dad passed because it was a big place for him and I. Uh, and have kind of fallen back in love with it for the same reasons he used to bring us there. And so when I have uh, a couple of days in a row off, that's usually where I spend my time. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm a, from New Hampshire. I'm a New Hampshire kid, right, my whole life, and I love Jackson. That, that part of the country is just beautiful, and uh, that part of New Hampshire, is, there's nothing better, you know. You go up to Jackson, you go up and, you know, ski uh, – you know, the different mountains, and um, it's a beautiful place to be. So are yeah, you guys skiers, is. or is it just hiking, just being in the mountains? What is it? Well, uh, I, we had a, I was horseback riding this summer. <laughs> All right. Uh, the poor horse. And, um, <laughs> and and then we don't ski. Like I, I've skied once in my life, but, you know, I kind of read, you know. There's a... The Jackson Falls right there. It might be one of the most beautiful, iconic places on the, in, on the East Coast, and I just love to sit there and read and uh, put the feet in the water and so, so uh, this this summer, my wife was kind of laughing because I was putting lineups together while we were sitting there. She said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm trying to put up a lineup. And that was in the middle of July. But, no, but it's great. You know, hey, to have the opportunity to be around young people, it's why we all do what we do. Uh, but as a coach, being around young people, and it's it's uh, it keeps you young, it keeps you energized, keeps you focused, uh, and gives you a real opportunity to make an impact. And that's what I really enjoy about the whole thing. That's great. Now, uh, Scott, you've been here about a year and a half now, and um, you've been, become a big part of our community. Uh, tell me, um, what attracted you to Merrimack outside of the coaching experience? Why here? I remember I interviewed you. It was one of the best interviews I've had in my life, and I've interviewed thousands of people. So you got me excited, and that's not easy to do. So, so tell, tell me a little bit about, about why Merrimack and why you finally decided on us. Well, you know what? I think uh, what I love about Merrimack is a chip in the shoulder. You know, I think that Merrimack, from the professors to the people who are in the rank, working at the rank, to the coaches, to, to the president. I think everybody here kind of has a chip in their shoulder. They want more, uh, and that's a lot of fun to be part of. And uh, I just think being being in that kind of a community and that kind of a setting gives you a chance to excel professionally and personally. Uh, so that was the biggest thing that kind of excited me about the college initially. Um, and the second thing is just possibility. Um, as, as the school is embracing upon this Division One thing as a, as a whole athletic department, uh, as we build the nursing school and we do other building, um, being part of that and catching that is a really, really uh, fulfilling and, and worthwhile experience if you can get that opportunity. So when I came to campus that day, and I'd never walked on campus, I'd driven on 114 my whole life, being from Swampscott, had skated here, gone to Ronnie Anderson's hockey school here. Uh, I didn't even realize the possibilities that were here. I walked around campus with uh, Jeremy that day, and I was like, wow, this is this is big, and this is something that can really happen here. So. I'm really excited about being part of that chip on the shoulder, and, and hopefully we can carry that forward and win some games because of it. We're excited to have you here. You know, it's been um, it's been a pleasure to have you on the campus. We're excited what you're doing with the team. You know, I know for a lot of our fans, you know, they're desperate for for the team to kind of be what it is. But um, you know, the reality is it takes years to build something. And and you know, as I always say, as president, we have a long term vision, right, of doing that. And uh, and you're the right guy. We're excited about that. You know, I, I think you bring not just passion for hockey. You're great guy with a coach, but you're a great community member, and I can't stress enough. In, in my world, it's not just about W's and L's. They're important, right? Especially the W's. Mm-hmm. Um, but 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 at the end of the day, it's also the fit and the experience, and, and you got a great group of kids. They're they good kids. 
They don't get themselves in trouble, uh, but they're also great hockey players, and they're working hard, and and so are you. And so I appreciate that as the president. You've made a big difference at the campus, and it matters because ice hockey is important to us. There's no question about it. It is kind of our DNA. It's in our blood. It's like a, we're Augustinian and we're ice hockey, you know, <laughs> and uh, those uh, I'll take those two any day of the year. So, uh, Scott, I want to thank you very much for being here today. It's been a great conversation, and uh, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the season with you. I really appreciate it, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Scott. And thank you, Bethany. It's great to see you again. And uh, we'll see you all next week um, at the next podcast with the president. Thanks, folks. Bye-bye.